This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Prepare to get caffeinated. We've got Keith Parker and Mark D'Ambrosio. Did I say it right? Oh, man, I said it right. It. Yeah. Nailed it. That's like alphabet soup trying to fucking roll through that last name. So I was like a little bit, I was like, okay, I think I got it. I think I got it. So the genesis to this was I was watching alone, like, and uh, I've, I've watched these shows with my kids. So I watched these kids. I got two little girls, three and uh, or four recently and seven. I watched all these shows with my kids. And, uh, because there's so many different lessons in there, I think for kids is like, whether you're building shelter or making fire, like why did they pack this versus that? Like there's so many different conversation points in, in this, especially for kids, it, it fires up their imagination. It gets them thinking about it. My, my girls are way into this stuff. Like they're way into it partly because I think I'm kind of pushing it. Uh, like my, my seven-year-old, I've got her down to like, she can start a fire with a ferrule rod, like no time, like, like That's awesome. 10 seconds. Like she's like, yep. done. We're, we're off, we're off to the races. Um, you know, shelter building and stuff like that. They're, they're so fired up about this. Um, so I'm watching and I'm like, that dude's a fucking Marine. Why don't I know this dude? <laughs> and then I'm watching a few more episodes and then I was like, I, I DM you. I'm like, hey, man, you want to come on the show? And you're like, yeah, 24 hours later, whatever, you know, you DM me back. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so one, I'm excited because like I, I, I really do admire like the people that go out there and just fucking put it on the line and uh, and do the show. And two, you're a vet, which is like, you know, obviously we love vets here. Um, are you a vet, Keith? I am. Yeah. I What'd actually you am retiring. Well, my last day in uniform was about a month ago, right? But technically, I'm still on the rolls. That beard was looking yeah. good, man, for 30 it's, days. It's majestic. <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, it's a novelty, right? Yeah. Because I haven't been able to have it. So yeah. I don't know if it'll stick around or not, though. What'd you do? So, well, Mark and I, how we kind of linked up was uh, we ran the mountain sniper and, and mountain survival course together. And that's, really? that's what... He was actually know, my boss. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, I was the staff in two IC okay. for Mountain Mountain Scout Sniper, Mountain Survival, right? right. When Mark uh, shortly after that, I I went the warrant officer route and became a infantry weapons officer, Marine gunner. But not many people really know what that that is outside of the Marine Corps. So No, I've only heard of it. I've only yeah. heard of it. Like it's it's interesting that you can do a warrant officer route in the infantry. That's it's different because I don't think you can actually do that. They, in the yeah, Army. they don't have that in the Army. I think they're trying to start up something similar. Right. But it's the M3 weapons officers. I don't want to steal from Mark no, talking good, about the alone piece. But what, uh, what is that? Yeah, tell me what that is because that sounds cool. Yeah. It, it, is, it is really cool. It is Go the ahead. best rank in the entire military, in my opinion. I really agree with yeah. that. Right. Like, so you're just a subject matter expert on everything that goes bang, right? right? And and you should be a subject matter expert on everything that goes bang that, that we employ, right? Right, And that our adversaries employ. Yeah. And then you take that and you use it to help uh, one safety backstop for the, sure. for the commanding officer on training and then just to vet training plans and make sure there's, there is as efficient as possible. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's really it. Right. So all the stuff you don't like dealing with in the Marine Corps, 
right? All the kind of bureaucracy oh, yeah. type stuff that exists in every organization. Yep. It kind of falls away, right? Because you're you're just this like one of one guy in a unit and you really get to focus on the stuff that, that matters to you, right. which is the lethality piece, right? Which was pretty cool. But back to bring it back around full circle. So yeah, Mark worked for me at Mountain Sniper, but then he wound up, you know, getting out and kind of doing his own thing. And I've I've worked for him probably, I don't know, a dozen times now. Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest compliment you can pay somebody, right? That that works for you. Oh yeah. Well, when I first met Keith, mind you, like I was warned about this dude. Like this dude's really? a fucking asshole. He's gonna <laughs> come in here. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I like, you know, just run loose and I'm like, oh, this isn't gonna be good. Right. And yeah. lo and behold, like He's just as wild as I am. And I was like, oh, get along great. <laughs> well, dude, it was the same, right? Because uh, I stepped in first day and the dude I was replacing, not not young, right? But the yeah. other the other one. I stepped in, I'm like, all right, you know, so who's who are your heavy hitters here, right? And who are the dudes that I need to like, need constant supervision? Right. And he's like, well, Mark D'Ambrosio is constant supervision. <laughs> he is like a constant pain. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, all right. But I knew me and this guy didn't really see eye to eye on things. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I bet Mark's probably going to wind up being my, my go-to dude. And and within a month, right. I was like, yep, Mark's Mark's man. So if well, I could, isn't, isn't that funny? Like I remember multiple times, like stepping into situations where like that guy's an asshole, like, and you hear you hear that, but then it takes you a while to realize that you also have to look at the person that's telling you that. 100%. And then you're like, oh, if that guy thinks he's an asshole, we're going to get along great because there's yep. no fucking way that that yep. guy likes me. Yep. <laughs> there's no way. Well, there's probably a lot of truth to it, right? Because before Mountain Sniper, I ran, you know, the Scouts Never Basic in advance and, and running this basic course is like a different, I don't want to say attrition is the mission on a podcast out in public, but, you know, you're a little more. You just did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a little more, you're a little more, uh, you know, tuned up and, and sadistic than maybe you were at some of the following courses. Well, you have to, yeah. right? I mean, like when that's the, like them's the rules, man, like yeah. y'all got to do it. Like, right. Them's the rules. Like it's like just grind them up and spit them out. Yeah. Like, so, so there's this whole generation of guys out there that probably had me as a basic instructor that are like, fuck man, Parker. And then there's this whole generation of dudes that probably had me a mountain and they're like, that, that dude's awesome. Right. Yeah. But you know, so that's just kind of the way it goes, but. But you, you know, to be fair, I'm not defending you, but to be fair, when, when you're put into the role of being like your job is to slice the, it brings out something in your personality that you have your, obviously your professional left and right limit. And you're going to, sure. for me, like I've been put into those situations where, you know, I get, fucking evil because I, I want to, I'm protecting the regiment, man. Like that's what you're in charge of doing. You're protecting the regiment from people that are going to quit. And from a guy that is passionate about like not allowing that fucking cancerous psychology to penetrate any fucking regiment. Like you got to be maniacal about fucking slaying those bodies. Dude, because you know attitudes I mean? are contagious, yeah. yes. right? So you've psychology got is more right contagious thing. than yeah, the flu. 100%. And that's where if people don't, if they just understood, because that's where PC and military doesn't fucking, they just don't, yeah. they don't actually, it's, it's water and oil. It will never work because you got to be a fucking asshole when it's like, when it comes to selection, who gives a shit? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So what's your, what's your, what's your, uh, a trit rate do you think on scout sniper basic? Well, any numbers that I give you now are, are sure. super outdated, well, right? So, <clears throat> so anybody listening needs to yeah. take this with a grain of salt, right? Don't be a troll. But um, <clears throat> we were, a historic attrition rate runs about 50%, right? Okay. But that, yeah. 
there's peaks, there's peaks and yeah. valleys, right? right. Uh, it's it's lower than that right now. Um, but that's that was the basic course, right? Got it. And then the following courses, you know, you get advanced urban and mountain. <clears throat> advanced and, and urban don't have a very high attrition rate. Uh, at least but that was the case. More professional development type, right? I mean, you're there. Right? You're going to be yeah, carrying you're the you're right. carrying the bolt yeah. gun, whether you pass that or not, right? And then mountain had a pretty high attrition. Oh, that was rate. one of the highest. Uh, Why? Wind. It, Wind. It, yeah, it was nothing to do with the instructor, right? We want everyone to pass because, sure. like we just said, you're already carrying the gun. But uh, it's just the terrain and the marksmanship qual mm-hmm. did the work for you, right? So we we were zero stress as instructors and, and a cadre out there. Uh, on the students, but and what was that? Because we took that attrition rate. From, I want to say almost sixty percent. Yeah, it was. It was down steep. to ten percent. The last oh, three great. courses we were running as a cadre from sixty percent down to ten percent. Mind you, without changing any standards. Right. Everything remained the same. So, like mm-hmm. instruction. I mean, that just goes to show you have a passion for this stuff, and you go and you teach it. Like what you can get people to do. Yeah, the, so. the content, I think, of a course matters a whole lot less. Well, the program of instruction, right? And you guys, I have no doubt, had the same kind of thing, right? Like you had topics you had to meet, wickets you had to hit. And that just winds up being so much less important than than who you have doing the teaching, right? Because yeah. you put a quality guy in there, you're going to get a quality product. Doesn't matter how, how you know, superior or inferior the the actual program is right. in the adverse is also true, right? Or the inverse is also where, where true. Where is that? So where's where's like the urban, where's that ho- Where's that course hosted? Well, so uh, the basic course, we run that in three locations. So you got uh, out of Camp Lejeune, uh, North Carolina, uh, really Camp Geiger, but it's part of the Lejeune complex. You got one out of Camp Pendleton in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we run, they run one a year um, up in Quantico, Virginia also. And then, the advanced course or team leaders course, the name changes from year to year. Uh, they run at the same locations. Uh, actually, Quantico is the only place running that now. And then Urban goes at Lejeune and Pendleton, and Mountain goes out in Bridgeport, California. Mountain Warfare Training oh, yeah. Center. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Bridgeport. Yeah. Yeah. And so how long were you in? Uh, just over 20, about 20 and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, you, you you were there. Yeah. <laughs> the entire time. The entire time. Right? The entire time. Holy shit, you saw the whole thing. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I got a ton out of it, and I certainly feel like they got their, their money's worth out of me, right? Yeah. And so you started as OG11 then and went into No, I started, this is a pretty funny story. I think we can pray. This will be a good one for the podcast, right? But, uh, oh man, my dad's going to hear this and probably be embarrassed, right? <laughs> hey, I hope my grandparents. I was the Fast too. Company guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... My dad was a Marine also, right? And uh, he hadn't been back to Lejeune since he got out in like 82. So I signed up and uh, he's like, I'm going to take you down and drop you off for like infantry training, right? So this is after boot camp, we get dropped down. I got to check into Camp Lejeune. So he takes me down and, and I think we stay at like the, you know, the, ho- the, the hotel on base there, right? It used to be called the hospitality house. But uh, as we're pulling in the main gate, he looks over and he's like, holy shit. I can't believe the driftwood is still here, right? And you're looking at me like, what's the driftwood? So anybody that's been any time at Lejeune listening is like, oh yeah, the driftwood. It was an institution. It was, it was a- What is it? It was a strip club. It was a gentleman's club. <laughs> oh yeah. Right, okay. outs- right outside the front gate. And, uh, you know, my dad, we, we get, we drop our stuff in the hotel. You know, I think I'm, I'm 18, 19 years old and I see him like getting dressed to go out, right? And I'm like, where are we going? He's like, come on, we're going out, grab a bite to eat. And we pull into the driftwood. Well, I don't know what this is, right? So I'm thinking it's like an Applebee's, you know? And we walk in 
And and uh, I realized immediately, I'm like, man, this is the most awkward thing ever, right? Because I've met, and but my dad, dad is like totally regressed. It's like, it's 1982 for <laughs> Oh, <him>. yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, we go in and I'm like, I don't even know how to act, right? Because I've been there with my dad. And it's, I think it's probably the first time I'd ever been in a, in a gentleman's club. But uh, we get in there and there's this lonely looking master guns in there. He's like retiring the next week. And somehow my dad starts talking to him. And this guy's like a stereotypical old school, like grizzled looking Marine. He's like slugging back Jack and Cokes and by himself in the, in the club. And uh, anyway, dad starts talking. He's like, Hey, my son just signed up. He's going to training. You know, you got any tips for him? He's like, what are you doing? He's like, infantry. He's like, be a, be a tow gunner. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you won't have to walk anywhere. You get to do machine guns and missiles. And I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. So, so, so solely on the advice of this like inebriated master guns in a, in a, in a strip club uh, outside the main gate of Camp Lejeune, you know, we get to ITB and we have to write down our preferences, you know, and because you don't know, you think like I'm going to be a Marine and you know, I'm going to be in the infantry. You don't realize there's all these subsets. And uh, so I put toe gunner and that's what I wanted to be for the first couple of years before I went over to snipers. Right. So that was a very long answer to a short question. No, it's a great, it's try, a great yeah. answer. I'll try to keep it more concise. But. No, you don't have to. I, I, this is a long show, so mm -hmm. this is what we're here to do. And then what year did you come in? Uh, 2008. Later. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I waited a while to join. So. Yeah. so, and are you originally from Washington? No. Yeah, where are you no, from? No, I would never claim Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to buy a car being here in this state. And they're like, we can't sell to you because you are not allowed 30 round magazines. Right. I was like, leave the damn magazine. Yeah. No. Let me buy the rest. Uh, originally from Florida, I guess I'll say that. Florida, I'm not proud man. of that either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about Nevada? Yeah. <laughs> I lived there for a bit. Can I claim that? Yeah, you can claim whatever you uh, want. Now, I lived in Florida. Uh, that's where I joined from. So, went over to Okinawa for a bit. Yeah. Bridgeport, Lejeune. So, did you were you an infantry guy first? Uh, recon baby, actually. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So, oh. uh, whenever I was getting ready to join, I was like, you know, googling what the fuck is that? Yeah, and yeah. I'm trying to see with my buddy, and saw this guy coming out of the water with a ghillie suit and a yeah. rifle and some scuba tank. Probably, I don't even know. He probably had a mask like, on. Like, dragon. Yeah, something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I was like, that's it. So I trained for like two years, and I gained sixty pounds, and my buddy Sorry. lost like. Probably a hundred. He was a fat motherfucker. So he lost a little bit of weight. I gained a little bit of weight. We both joined at the same time two years later and, you know, went straight there. And at that point, I was like, Porsche Recon. Yeah. And then I remember I was in boot camp. They're like, Porsche Recon doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, what the, what are you telling me? Um, but no, I went up to the basic reconnaissance course and did that. And So did they, they get rid of force? Like 2006, they pretty much lowered a flag and raised another one, called it Marsoc. Um, I didn't realize they got rid of force. I thought well, they, they pretty they much took, they, they took all the force guys. And then made a Marsoc. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much and just decimated um, the amount of guys that they had in that, right. um, that section. So they, when I got there in 2008, they were already standing it back up. And I'm mm -hmm. sure 2007, they probably still had some stuff, too. Yeah, um, my buddy Zach, he was... Have you ever met him? I, I don't think so, but the name Iskol rings a bell. So uh, he's maybe a great dude. He's actually running for uh, uh, treasurer in New York right now. He's a, he's a great guy. He's an officer. I don't hold that against him. Um, he was a he was a great Marine, great guy. But anyway, whatever. 
I digress. He's a great dude. And for a guy that lives in New York, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm right, man, we need to get more good, solid dudes up there, right? I know. So. Yeah, you got to like put put more people into those positions. But so you were in the Marines for how long? Uh, just under 10 years. So quite a while for both of you guys. Like yeah. you saw like a whole litany of different things in the Marine Corps. You're just now getting out. It's interesting from, I'd love to hear your perspective on uh, the woke military. Man. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that on the drive over here. Right? Were you? Well, well, Did you think you I was going to ask you or were well, you just like I, thinking I about it? I want to talk about it really, yeah. right? But I, I also don't have my DD-214 for like another couple of months. This won't come <laughs> out. So it'll be, it'll be out when's after this, you do DD-214. Like, don't this worry thing, about it. When's this airing? You know? Yeah, a so, weeks. Uh, well, I need like a month and a half. But, <laughs> yeah, so so I'll, I'll keep it PG. But um, Mark, I, before we get into that, right? Mark did over, you know, just over 10, right? But he would have stayed in. I mean, I think that was the plan, but his, his like level of awesomeness that he, that he did. did yeah. Um, well, it wound up resulting in like 0% hearing. Right. So uh, he wasn't able to do the dive stuff anymore. And so I think it was kind of like either, Hey, you know, do you want to become a clerk or do you want to oh, yeah, those go be a civilian? That, so you didn't want to become a clerk? You know, I, I thought about <laughs> it long and hard and... <laughs> I was like, no, I'll, I'll take the the other the other option. So yeah, I decided to get out. So, but, but yeah, talk about a bummer, man. Reenlisting, getting ready to do another four. I uh, did like two out of it, almost two out of it. And they're like, nah, you got to go. Your hearing's not good. I'm like, fucking seriously. I could put my headset up right here, right? right. And I can hear what my team's saying and hear what's going on in the comps. Fuck this here. Well, what's crazy, and, uh, you have this like crazy high performer in Mark and we couldn't find a way like via hearing aids, amplified hearing protection, right? To to keep him in or 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 get some kind of variance to right. the regulation. But at the same time, we had in the same time period, we had platoon sergeants and platoon commanders in the infantry running around with one leg. Right. Right. And one eyeball. Right. Yeah. So it was it was sad, you know, just a mismanagement of talent that happened there a little bit. But the thing is Anybody that joins the military, they got to get out at some point, whether it's 20 sure. years, 10 years, 30 years. And so, you know, I looked at that and I was like, got to call it sometime. So, you know, took it for what I, what I was able to do with it. And it was awesome time and, you know, start pushing on from there. So once you transition out, you go into the civilian side, what would you end up doing? So this is what, this is what happened. I started my business immediately. I was Did like, you? oh, international mountain survival. I'm going right. to teach survival. I love it. Well, because you gravitated towards yep. that. Right? Had a lot of law enforcement agencies contact me saying, hey, we want you to teach high-angle shooting. I'm like, you're paying me. Give me some money. I'm like broke over <laughs> <Right>. here. <laughs> um, so it, tr- it turned into more high-angle shooting instruction than anything. Right. Um, and then I was like, man, I just want to be able to do something operationally. So I was like, right. all right. I went to the CIA and I was like, all right, applied to there and um, got through the interview process. I was pretty proud of getting through it until I got to the hearing and they told me to go fuck myself. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, all right, <laughs> Man, that sucks. All right, well, I'll go to the Washington. I'll be a Washington fish cop. Yeah, you know, I was like solid in work. the woods, twenty four seven hunting, fishing. Like I'll go do that. Good job. Same thing all the way through it. And when they told me I couldn't be a fish cop, I was like, I was pissed. I mean, I was mad. I was like, I can hear good enough for yeah. that at least. And uh, what do you need to hear, fish? Yeah, what the like, fuck? Do they say anything? No, they don't say anything of substance. And uh, so, <laughs> I, I at that moment, I realized like you will be. Owning and running your own businesses yeah. from here on out. Um, so, you know, did that and been teaching shooting, survival. Uh, obviously went and did a loan. That was mm-hmm. a hell of a good time. But, uh, 
Yeah. How, how was that? Like, what was the genesis to that? Had you been watching the show and were you like, I mean, I saw it every single year when that, when that show came out, I remember, uh, there's a buddy of ours, Jerry Saunders, and we were, we were sitting there and we were, and we were, we were really like the two guys that love survival there. And then Keith like got there and he was like, he jumped on board with that. And are you a survival, you're into survival too? Yeah, I I am. Right. But I didn't have to get as in the weeds on the survival stuff when we were up there running it. I could kind of like play with it at my leisure and kind of get into the stuff I liked and but I didn't have to do that because Mark and, and the guy he just mentioned, Jerry Saunders, were were super into it. So they took it like to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so I could they just kind of ran with the students and so yeah, I just, we, made, I just made sure they had like trucks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like once you get in and out, right? So, you know, growing up in the country, uh hunting, fishing, whatever, you join the military. And I, I grew up like hunting and surfing. So it's kind of weird. Right. Never watched any sports. I could really give two shits about watching any sports. I, I never do. But like going out there and just being in the wilderness has always been my thing. And so I was in Oak. I got stationed in Okinawa on my first deployment or my first enlistment. And uh, they're like, hey, where do you want to go after this? I was like, somewhere I can hunt yeah. in man country, God's country. And so they took me to, uh, you know, I was, they, my boss, Glenn Cedarholm, told me at the time, he was like, you need to go to Bridgeport. You know, and I was like, all right, cool. So I went up there and best duty station I've ever had in my life. Without a doubt. Really? I mean, we were able to teach high angle sniping sniper courses and survival courses. And that's all we did. It was 24 seven. You know, probably the only thing, the only like consistent positive thing I've heard from every Marine in the last 20 years. Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Like everybody else has varying opinions on a wide variety of things and they disagree about everything. But you know, one unifying thing, I've never heard somebody say, Bridgeport fucking sucks. I've never if, heard one guy say that. If you're an outdoorsman, right. if you like if you like the woods and you like doing kind of like man stuff, right? Yeah. There is no better duty station in the DOD. Really? Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, right? Location. Nothing. Yeah, in the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah. yeah. And, and so they teach mountaineering and like skiing up there, right? So if any hobby you want to get into in the outdoors... It's, it becomes your job. Mm-hmm. So the guys up there are so passionate about what they're teaching and instructing because it's what they do in their off time. Right. Um, but man, we would do, you know, Fridays, if we didn't have a course on deck, you know, we would check out ski passes and that would be like our, we would have a like, sustainment training. We would oh, go yeah. to Mammoth and we'd spend the day skiing, right? Mm-hmm. Or we'd wrap it up early and go, you know, shoot coyotes for, right. for sustainment, right? And it was... Well, that's good. It's good training because they're a small target. They don't stay still very long. They blend in with the the terrain unless there's snow on the ground. So it's an observation exercise too. It's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and it's fun. Yeah, and it's Super and it's fun. just a great time. Yeah, right? it's a great it's a great time. <laughs> well, it's funny because you know, well, I I used to do that, uh, you know, kind of on my own. You know, there are different guys that are gravitated towards different things in the military, and some guys are gravitated towards like the outdoors, and that's what they want to do, mm-hmm. and. That was my thing, right? So I was like in, way into kayaking and rafting and running boats down rivers. And and then uh, I started doing some skiing. But then it's funny because I started telemark. I started telemark oh, skiing, yeah. right? Well, it, there's only two people that telemark ski. And people don't understand this. Yeah. Two types of people. Old dudes. Old fucking hippie yeah. deadheads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and dudes like us. Like, it's like, and dudes are like, I, I got to move weight. I got to fucking go, you know, from point A to point B. I got to be able to turn. I, I don't give a fuck how much it's going to cost me in caloric, like, you know, output. This is, you know. So I used to skin up in the mornings on these hills. I'd go out to like uh, 
you know, whatever, Ski Hill X. And I would skin up for my workout and get like one run in because by the time I got to the top, I'd get like one run in and then I'd drink a pitcher of beer and then I'd go back and do like another, yeah, just like drunk doing the other Uh. one. I'm like, but it's so funny because I'd be like talking to these old crusty hippies out in Colorado, like trying to get teleski lessons. And it was only like, Hippies and military guys, like very rarely would you find this in between that's like, oh, I'm into this shit. If you see a young guy on teleskis, I'm always like, that guy's legit. Yeah. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Like freewheel fucking weirdos. They are fucking weird. It's so funny because my friends used to make fucking fun of me. They're like, you and your fucking hippie shit. I'm like, dude... I'm into logistics. That's what I keep telling people. Like, I'm into logistics of the adventure. Like, right. I got to know how to ski. I got to know how to climb. Because you're got, a professional, right? That's the old adage. got to do it all. You got to be, yeah, I got to know how to run a river. You got to know how to fucking, you know, do all of this shit. But I couldn't get really deep. Like, you know, there are some guys that are like, I'm a fucking ice climber and that's what I do. And that's the only thing I do. I'm like, I don't got time for that. I, I got to figure trades. out like... Because once we get through this piece, there's a whole backside that I got to be familiar with on that other backside. So Bridgeport seems like that place where you've got so many different varying terrains too. You guys could go down the fucking rabbit hole on just about anything. Yeah. Yeah, the elevation change there is pretty good. And man. Yeah. it's I went through there as a student, right? And it was kind of late in my career because Mountain Sniper is kind of like the... I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I'm going to, right? It's kind of like the white whale for snipers because they don't run courses very often. They usually don't sync up very well with units teeps. Right. You know, there's not a lot of seats. Uh, so it's kind of like a, the, the most difficult one to get to. That and urban, right? Because you don't get an urban seat unless you're on a marine expeditionary. Right. Out with them. So, but I was, so it took me a while to get to mountain. And then I went through there and I was like, what the glorious is going on up here? <laughs> and we drove through this little town of Bridgeport and uh, I was like, man, this looks like a really cool town, too. Because you drive through, we, we don't shoot there at the base, right? We right. go over to Hawthorne, it's an Army Depot, and we shoot there. Um, and really cool terrain. I mean, it looks like Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Like, if, if somebody blindfolded you and, like, flew you in a plane for 12 hours and just dropped you there, you'd be like, holy shit, I'm in Afghanistan, yeah. right? So, um, but anyways, it came time for orders a couple years later, and and uh, I, was, I was getting, I was a gunny, right, or, you know, E7, and... The only place I could stay in snipers was running one of the sniper schools. Staff sergeant. He's a staff right? sergeant at this point. Yeah, yeah, but I was I was selected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I right. knew like my time was coming. Right, I'd, I'd reach service life. Right. <laughs> so I was like, Fuck, you know. I'm, so I I I and so we all know each other. Right? So I'm calling all the schoolhouses. And I'm like, when are you when are you rotating out of there? And the only thing that was really coming up uh, was Bridgeport. And I'm like, perfect. And uh, so we you know was able to get orders out there and. And uh, we wound up, it was the first place, I'm rambling about this, but it's because I love Bridgeport so much. It was oh, yeah. it was the first place that I really like developed friends outside of the military in right. like, you know, 13 years, right? Yeah. When we got stationed there, because we lived in the little town, which is like further away from civilization than the base. Everybody right. else kind of lives towards Gardnerville and and down towards base housing. And, right. and uh, they became lifelong friends. I, I remember my wife, it's a tiny town. It's like 500 people in the winter, right? And I remember when we got there, my wife was like, dear God, where, <laughs> where did you and put mine, me? He was the only one on that base that lived in that town. Yeah. Oh, seriously? Oh, yeah. yeah. The which, only person. Where else are you going to get that experience, right. right? While you're in the service. And um, lifelong friends. I mean, these guys, yeah. you know, they, they just flew out 
and surprise, like the whole whole town, right? Flew out to North Carolina and surprised my wife with a baby shower. Um, yeah. So I, I told him I was riding up here with Mark today, and Is that were, where you live now? Is back in, or in yeah, I'm back in North Carolina right, right now for for a little bit. I don't know. I'm trying to get out of yeah, you gotta get out of the East there. Coast. I need some more space. Yeah, unless humidity, you know, humidity and, and mosquitoes, but. Yeah, I mean, there's. I love North Carolina, like for short amounts of time, but yeah. I wouldn't want to live there. I know no, a ton of great. people love it, and I'm like, but like that's my whole thing with the West. And even I went down to Texas for about a year and a half. And I had to come back here because of the wide open space. Yeah, like I got I like Texas has so much private land too. If you don't know somebody with like a high yeah. fence ranch, or you're gonna drive six hours, like I can drive 45 minutes out of town and go muley hunting. Yeah, like on. Friday afternoon, be up in the field, like doing my thing. Fact. And that's the thing, right? Like if you live, and I love North Carolina, I love Virginia. I don't mean to make it sound like I don't, you know, I was born in North Carolina. I grew up in Virginia. And so I've got no, you know, I like the East coast, but, yeah, so do I. but it's just the room, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I were going to live on the East coast, I need like 125 acres yeah. so that I can like execute all my ignorant bitchery. Right? <laughs> right. If I live out West, I just need like the right two acres. Yeah, exactly. You know? Either so, right two acres right. or a quarter acre, depending yeah. on where you're at. Right. Back it up. So, she, so shifting back to, so alone in the context of, you've been watching the show. Yep. You'd seen it. So this, was it more of like, hey, I'm going to fucking do this? Or no. was it like, I'm just going to drop a packet and see if, see what it goes. So I didn't drop a packet actually. Oh, you didn't. This might piss a lot of people off. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, uh, Donnie Dust, he was on season six, the season before me. And, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Me and my buddy Jerry ended up going through one of his courses like mm-hmm. two years before because even right. though you're an instructor, you always can learn more, right? right? Yeah, for sure. So we're always like, hey, we're going to, even with my own business, do some sustainment training. Mm-hmm. And he went out there, he recommended me. And when he said, hey, do you want to go do this? I was like, well, what kind of question is that? Absolutely. Right. This is the most realistic survival yeah. situation you could ever put yourself in. Yeah. So, you know, they told me, um, they called me up, hey, send in some videos. I think I was in like the top 40 or something right. like that. Um, sent my videos in. They're like, hey, congratulations. You're going to go to New York and compete. I was like, oh, shit. You guys have to compete. Oh, you compete. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you can't just go because they want to pick the best people possible for their show. Sure. And I understand some of the seasons may have seemed like that wasn't the case. Right. But like they showed them at some point that they're, they deserve to be there. Right. right. And uh, so the people that are going out there, they want you to last a long time. You get more footage. Fuck yeah. You could use it, you know, more, more drama, yeah. more people trying to get eaten by bears and shit. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they, they were like, Hey, you're in the top 22, or whatever, go to the New York and compete and went there, competed. What did, can you tell us with the competition? Oh, it's ridiculous. Like- well, first off, started off. I don't know if I can, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> uh, start, started off, and we did a swim qualification. Oh, okay. And yeah. obviously, with my reconnaissance background, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to race. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to beat your ass. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> hauled ass out, hauled ass back, and I'm like legitimately tired. I'm like, okay. But, you know, I beat everybody. That's important. <laughs> so we come back, and then... It was a pointless race, but they just wanted to make sure you could float. You could float, yeah. right? You come back up, you start a fire with a ferro rod. Right. Um, did that. You start a fire with bow drill. That's okay, cool. do that. And they just start placing, hey, how do you cook this? How do you cook that? How do you build a shelter? What are you going to do in this situation type thing? Um, can you use a knife safely? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so they do that. They, they, they have some survival consultants out there. And right. let me tell you, man, those guys... 
are knowledgeable. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, they've done every single season right. of Alone. So they've, yeah. they've got to go to every different location, learn from those oh, locals, cool. those indigenous yeah. people. And so, you know, learned a lot from them, just hanging out with them for a couple of days. Went back home, got the phone call around May, or May or June, July, I don't know. Probably July or June. Hey, you got selected. You got a couple of months to prepare, file your gear. Don't do anything stupid or we'll right. replace you. So when you uh, when you get your list of possible items, how did you go through like your prioritization of like your list? So I looked at it like this. Our challenge was a little bit different. It was a hundred day challenge. Yep. We know we knew we had to make it a hundred days. So this yep. lazy ass mentality that you've seen in the past yep. previous seasons, where you're going to go out there and just relax and lay down, that's not going to cut it. Right. You're, you'll never you make it. Your ass you got to work yeah. your ass off. So. With that in mind, I looked at it, I'm like, hey, do I want food? Fuck no. That's only going to last me so long. Right. Um, because so, what was the option for food? You could take like... There's like you feed take jerk, food. pemmican. There, Fuck, I didn't know There's that. like a pound, but you only get a certain amount. Right, okay. So it's like, hey, you can get a pound of pemmican, two pounds, whatever the right. heck it is. It's like you get to take an emergency ration, yep. and, right? And it, all, the, all the gear, if you like go online, you look it up alone, you yeah. can see all the possibilities you can select from. Um, and every season's a little bit different. Like sometimes you might have a fishing kit, but it's not going to have barbed hooks. Gotcha. Like our season, which right. sucked. But I wanted things that produce food. Yeah. So 550 cord, I knew I was making a gill net and I knew that because the previous season was there. And we yeah. knew the general area we were going to. Right. I was like, all right, gill net, trapping line, trapping wire, uh, definitely a bow. Um, everything that I can try and catch or provide myself with food. Right. So... Brought all those. I didn't bring a, a fixed blade knife, but I did bring my Leatherman. Right. Um, brought an axe. Obviously, you, you wouldn't go anywhere in the in the wilderness without an axe. The saw that I brought is a silky boy. Ah, you know, I watched Roland. The guy, oh, dude. Yeah, I watched Roland saw, and I, when I first saw him going out, I was like, "That's fucking stupid." Seriously, Look how big that that's is. That's what I said too. I was and like, "Dude, that thing is so big." I was what out the there. Fuck? I was out there, and I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> Yeah. I wish I had rolling saw <laughs> so I could sharpen it. Because by like day 30-something, you're cutting wood every single day. Every single day. I mean, really, it's build your shelter. Yeah. Provide food. Right. And your water's there. You're going to boil that. But it's like firewood. Right. Firewood. Firewood. Film yourself. Firewood. Film yourself. But like, so with that being said, like, couldn't sharpen the stamp saw. Oh, Yeah. Starting fires, obviously, you had a ferro rod. That was easy, but man, the, the saw was the one thing I probably would have... I learned a lot from Roland actually watching that show, so... Dude, I want to get into Roland, but I get... <laughs> as soon as, like, he started in on, like, Rock House, I was like, oh, this fucking dude's going to win. <laughs> like, yep. no offense to you. I just saw that. And I was like, oh, this dude's on another fucking level. Like, like And for how old he is, moving those oh, rocks? Like... That guy is like, I mean, I, I hope I grow up to be like that fucking, like his heart. Watching him eat the fucking, the, the, intestines or not, no, the inside stomachs, the stomach oh, yeah. contents from his fucking muskox, watching him kill his muskox. You're like, dude, this dude <laughs> is fucking knife. crazy. Right. It's awesome. Like, because yeah. I know rednecks like that that are he, just like straight up fucking, like hillbilly hard, like yeah. just hard. And they can do anything, they can fucking, fix a chainsaw, they can weld, they can fucking do anything. And you always know they're hard 
But you actually got to see oh, like, yeah. some hard shit. Like I was blown away by it, man. He's your modern day Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah. Like uh, have you talked to him after the show? Or at all? No, I don't talk no. to Roland. You don't? We don't get along. But he doesn't get along with anybody. He's a Jeremiah Johnson. Well, yeah, he's a loner. That's, <laughs> yeah, what, I was, yeah, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Like, <laughs> he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he gets along no, with anybody. No, right? but you know. He doesn't socialize. Like he's like, I'm going off grid. We didn't, we didn't dislike each other. We just, you know, it keeps to himself. Yeah. So, but uh, no, I mean, I watched that show, my, my own season. And I'm like learning shit from Roland. I'm like, this is badass. You know? Well, everybody on this season, I I thought, because I've seen it. I I saw the first couple seasons and I took a break for a couple seasons. Right. Uh, Then I came back to it, but. It seemed like the crew that you guys had out there. Every single person was fucking awesome. Awesome. From from Sean, um, everybody, you know, you kind of see him leave in the very beginning because it's Farrah Rob. They don't understand the realities of what really happens, right, with production and editing and stuff like that. From Sean to Amos to Callie and Kai, those two women. Dude, they crushed it. absolutely crushed it. Um, Everybody, like, had absolutely fantastic crew. Like, all of us were still extremely close. They, 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 I mean, like that entire cast, like competing against them, like thinking about like just competing in the level of competition that you had out there, like, bro. But, <laughs> but it really wasn't because ours is a little bit different, you're right? Competing against yourself. 100%. Right. And, yeah. But this is the first season that did that. Right. Because in the other seasons, you're looking at everybody going, I got to last longer than you. But in this season, you're like, hmm, I just got to make it to 100 days. I only had to make it, I have to make it to 100 days. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is, is that, that battle, but I think a lot of people look at that. They're like, "Oh, I think that's easier mentally." But then also, like, it's you got to you got to make it to a fucking hundred days. And we're talking a hundred days yeah. in the subarctic, yeah, with ten items, right, inserted right before winter, and rules, barbless hooks, yeah, no fur bearing animals, yeah, like all these damn rules put into place. There's the Canadian rules, yep. the production rules, the indigenous people's rules. Yeah, and the people don't, we don't realize that. Yeah, they don't, the you show, don't know right? that. And then you've got, on top of all that shit, you've got to fucking film all this. Yeah, stuff. and you got to film it. So you got to lug around your and, gear. And they bring up a good point. They're like, hey, if you don't film it, no one's ever going to see what happened. And you're like, that's true. And we always said in the Marine Corps, like, you got a picture? That didn't fucking happen, did it? Right. <laughs> I killed a coyote at 1,700 yards. Show me the video. Nope. Don't believe you. Don't believe um, you. And it's the same thing with this show. So it was, but, you know. So when, you, when you're selecting, so like clothing was one of the questions I had was, um, you went out, you had a bunch of cryptech. Oh, like, man. I, I, yeah, I straight up like, jumped to my, my hunting clothing because I was like, yeah. I know this stuff works. Right. Um, it's going to keep me warm. It's going to keep me dry. And I went with the stuff that I know. Do you have a cap on how many clothing items you can take and there what is, you can take? There is. There is a limit, but it's a ridiculous amount of clothing. Is it really? Yeah. So you, you've got enough clothing out there. There's there's no shortage on that. And when you guys look at the gear list, I, I think, actually, I don't know if the public kind of sees that gear list, right. but they take care of you in clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. But the the other mm-hmm. items... Like the actual survival items, clothing is not one of those. Nope. So... Yeah, that, that, that was one of the things I was talking to my buddy, Trevor, uh, Trevor Thompson. He, he's a you know former Navy guy. He's been on the show a lot. So he's going through the gear list right now. He's kind of like thinking about it or he's already been proposed like to be on it or something like that. And he's like, yeah, it's like, dude, you get 
clothing. Yeah. He's like, I thought that might be like part of it, but you have your 10 items, but there's things that you can select from. Now, if, if you find something outside of the list, can you say, hey, I want to bring this and do they have to clear it? Yeah, or? they got to clear. So okay. like Sean, he brought yeah. this, this auger that he made and that right. was kind of his thing that he builds and does for work and stuff. And so he had to get it clear with them. And, you know, all of us were like, hell yeah, bring that out there. Like, yeah. we don't think it's an unfair advantage. Right. Um, as long as everybody could bring his tool out there that we wanted to. Got it. So you just got to get it clear, but it's, it's very, very rare. So like, um, that was a, a, a real big exception. So most of the time they're not going to make exceptions. So how long do you have um, on the ground before you guys get inserted? Man, I don't know. I think we had like seven or eight days. Okay. So, and they're really trying to show you how to use the camera yeah. still. Um, you're getting acclimatized to the area. They're kind of hanging out. Uh, man, what do we do? Oh, you know, you know, they, they give you, a, you know, a little run around and say, hey, this is your general vicinity. Oh, gotcha. They're trying to set you up for success. Right. Right. They don't want you to go out there and last one day and get scared by a damn bear and run off. Right. Um, they want you to go out there and last, shit, 100 days. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we spent about eight days, I think, hanging out yeah. and getting to know each other. And that's when you, like, built that relationship. Because when you're all in the same boat and you know you're not really competing against each other, you're competing against yourself, you can get along. Right. Otherwise, I would have been jacking their shit, breaking everything. Like, <laughs> 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 Looks like your saw's dull as shit. Suck to suck, nerds. <laughs> Dude. Well, that, and so you get out there and you get on the ground. Is there anything that you, when you hit the ground within like 24 hours, you're like, man, I wish I would have fucking nope. grabbed that. Nope. nope. Uh, man, my, I still look at my gear list and I'm like, Besides changing the saw out, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have changed a damn thing. Super happy with the gear list that I brought. And when I, when you insert, they do talk about that, that drop, that drop shock. I didn't personally experience it, and maybe that's because everybody goes through different things in life, right? Right. But like, I wasn't like, oh, this is crazy. I was like, get the fucking work, motherfucker, because <laughs> yeah. you got to put some food on the table. Yeah. Um. So that was the only thing going through my head is shelter. Boom, get it up and mm. food. Uh. So. Yeah. It looked like. It looked to me, right? So from the viewer's perspective, look at your kicking ass. Like, like if you would have told me within the first couple episodes, if I, if I put money on it, like I was putting money on you and Roland. That's where my wife and I will always I appreciate be that, man. Bet. I was like, nice you're kicking ass. Like, and because you had a positive mental attitude, you're fucking crushing like the shelter builds. You're, it looked like it. Did it feel like you were making good ground? Man, I didn't know because, yeah. you know, you don't know how everybody else is doing it in that same environment. So you don't know if you're catching a lot of food or if you're not catching any. And I will say, once I got my shelter up and done, it, you got to, you know, change your plan as you go, obviously, yeah. adapt. My plan was to build a temporary shelter and then my permanent. Right. I, I got out there and I was like, nope, going permanent right now. All right. in. Um, but when I built my gill net on day five and got it in the water, like, and I pulled two giant lake trout out They're this huge. big, the first damn day yeah. I, I was pretty pumped. Yeah. Um, I'd only gotten one fish. They don't show that on there, but I caught one fish with a hand line, with a, with a hand line before yep. that, I think a squirrel or two with my bow. And so when I pulled out this fish, this damn big, right? I'm like, and then the next day. Four fish. This damn big. <laughs> I was like, this is game time. Get the net in. And I was really bummed. I didn't bring a gill. I guess 
I wouldn't have changed anything because I wouldn't know I was going to that location, right? right. But if I would have said, screw the fishing line and brought two, gill, like a gill net and the 550 cord, technically I could have had two out there. I don't even know that's illegal or not, but right. um, I could have had two because that brought in like 350 pounds of fish for me. Got it. That's a lot of damn That's a fucking That's a ton lot of damn fish. fish. That's a ton amount yep. of fish. So uh, talk me through the psychology. Like what was happening in your mind? Man, so when I went out there, I didn't know how long I was going to last. Right. I'm not cocky enough to sit there and be like, I'm going to last 100 days. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, I know I'll make it three. I know I can go three to five days. I've done that by myself before by right. myself. And I was like, you, you're going to find out real quick if you like yourself or not while you're out there. Right. So I got to day 10 and I was like, oh, fuck, 10 days in, this is awesome. And I'm having a good time. Yeah. Every day the sun came out, that was a good day. Every right. day the sn- it snowed, that's a good day. Every day I caught something in my traps, that's a good day. Right. Um, so it was just like every day was a damn good day. I had like only a couple days that were shit. And got to day 20. And I was like, this is... Not bad at all. Got to right. day 30. I'm like having fun. I'm like, yeah. Like, you know, having fish everywhere. I'm just hunting 24-7. I'm in like, I'm in heaven. I, I, I shit my sleeping bag on day 10, mind you. So like, that's like a pretty bad thing to have to go through and like yeah. clean up. But I still had a good day. Right. I had a bunch of fish and, you know, I was like, oh, let's <laughs> go find some reindeer moss and clog myself <laughs> right. up. Because um, I thought it was from all that fish fat and all the oils, right? Right. So day 35 though. Man, that was a game changer. I went on a hike to go hunting, day thirty four, and I'm like, I gotta find moose. Have to find big yeah. game animal. So I was. It just snowed like two days ago. I'm gonna hike as far north as I possibly can go. Then I'm gonna hike east to west as far as I can go and cut, see if I can cut any moose tracks. There wasn't shit, and it was two days of snow on the ground. Nothing in my entire AO. So I was like, all right. Came back, went to sleep. Slept about an hour that night. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep on my side. And I was like, yeah. And game started changing from there. So, I mean. What was it? Was it the sleep cutting in? Do you know why? Why you weren't sleeping? Or I do now. Why? Because I ended up uh, contracting trichinosis. So, day 10. Go. Yeah, day 10 when I ended up uh, shitting my sleeping bag. Yeah. When I'm talking, like, that was a horrible experience. We're talking, like, straight liquid. And the only sleeping bag you got out there, and you don't have any soap. So I'm like waking up at 1 a.m., going down to the lake, like, this is, this is cold, this sucks, starting my fire up, washing everything off. But I, you know, I legit thought it was from the, the fish, the yeah. fish fat and oils. Right. So day 35, the breathing started getting difficult. Yeah. Uh, sleeping. I'm a side sleeper, couldn't sleep on my sides, had a pain in my right shoulder. I'm like, ah. So day 35, like when that happened, I mean, it was just a straight, complete difference in my uh, physical abilities. And I was like, man, better find some more blueberries out there or something. <laughs> right. like, make myself a kale salad. Because <laughs> this diet sucks. Just, I was like, I thought fish would be amazing. Yeah. And uh, I'm out there and day 40 comes around. And by day 40, I'm like, it's starting to get to me because yeah. no sleep. Right. Sleep deprived now for five days. Like not sleeping, but one hour a night, if that. And my shelter catches on fire. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm like, fuck this. And my, I locked my door on the inside for bears, right? In case yeah. they tried to open. And I'm like undoing the, I'm watching, like it's on fire. I'm undoing my shelter with the camera in my damn hand. Run around and the top of my shelter is completely on fire. I'm ripping off flaming balls yeah. of moss. And I'm like, got to get this thing out because there's no fucking way I'm going to let my shelter burn down because 
you would never let it down ever, right? Well, that's like the one thing we talked about before you left for the show, right? Because we were talking about yep. you know, and uh, I'm like, man, just, you know, don't catch your shelter on fire, right? Like, just. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, you don't understand like how much fire prevention went into that damn shelter. So every day, like you go on the backside and you get all the soot off of everything and you you put it far enough away from everything. You keep a small fire. I even put rocks up on top, right? right. To try and disperse those small embers that would kick off. But man, there was just soot that got, got up into the pine boughs. Yeah. And so that was a, I mean, a damn good learning lesson for me, right? I, I wanted to build a shelter without the damn tarp. Yep. Because I was like, ah, but ended up, I should have used that tarp around that fire. The, the first thing is, is what I should have done or done it differently, but whatever. Uh, cleaned off in between, busted it out, redone it. So my shelter caught fire and I put it out, took a breath. I was like, Whew. and I was like, hell yeah, put it out. And I was pretty excited because... That was a shitty situation, right? Right. Now I have the chance to overcome that mm-hmm. and do better. So day 41, I rebuilt it, and it was a better shelter than it was when I first bought it, uh, built it. I had more light coming in because I used my tarp. It was just a, a good situation to be in. And I think I had an adrenaline rush because day 41, I don't remember sucking. But day 42, it just went straight back downhill. And uh, I remember I was like, you're, you're get, it's bad. Like the breathing's super difficult. And I'm like, and I didn't know anything was medically wrong with me. Right. I just thought it was my damn diet. And so I'm out there and I'm like, I know I can't make it to 100 days because I keep digressing, keep yeah, digressing, yeah. keep digressing, keep digressing. And in the show, they kind of show it like, oh, you missed your son. See you later. Yeah. Uh, and that's because I wasn't complaining. I'm, I'm not one to sit there and complain about. Most people that we know aren't. Yeah. <laughs> so we right? And I don't yeah. want to show that. I'm like, oh, right. whatever. So when I decided to tap, I'm like, screw it. I'm done. All right. And I, I called production. I was like, hey, come get I'm done. And they're like, why? I'm like, I'm fucking tired, man. I was like, I'm tired. They're like, you're tired. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I've done some hard shit in my life. And I was like, I'm Just fucking tired. exhausted. I went to go, I'm going to go get firewood on day 44. I went out there because I was going to make it a day 45. Right? I was like, right. oh, go to 45. Go to every day by day, day by day. You just keep pushing it. And I pushed it 10 days. And I'll tell you, I went to go get firewood. And I'm dragging these two little sticks back. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, got to call it, man. You got to call it. So I called it. And they're like, what's wrong? I was like, man, I'm just tired. Just take me back. You know, give me a Snickers bar. Right. They give me back. And they're like, all right, you'd get checked out by an EMT. They're like, you got a fever of 104. I was like, or they said you got a fever of 39.9 degrees Celsius. Right. I'm like, all right, what the fuck is that in Fahrenheit? I'm an American, damn it. And they were like, uh, it's not that bad. And I'm like, all right. So I looked it up on my phone. I think I had my phone at that time. I'm like, it's 104. I'm like, <laughs> it's not that it's bad. Not, it's not that bad. <laughs> but I mean, like 105 is pretty serious. Yeah. One degree off from that. So it never went away for, for like two days. It just consistent 104. And then the EMT was like, hey, he checked my blood pressure or something when I was laying down. And uh, he stayed the night with me that night. He started getting concerned. He's like, yeah, something's wrong with you. I'm like, dude, just get me out of here. I got to get back to work. I didn't win a million bucks. Right. Like, I got to start go making back, money I gotta again. To I got to go back to work. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you figured you're like, you stopped working. Probably when I found out that news, dude. I was like, prep. Yeah. All my energy and time and money went into prepping and trying to do that show. So I was like, I got to get back at it. I was like, get me out of Canada. And uh, like, we got to take you to the hospital. All right, cool. So I get to the hospital. That's when the whole thing came out. They're like, hey, you're interesting. And I was like, 
ah, what's up? And I remember joking with a doctor. Right. And I was like, uh, he was sitting there feeling the back of my neck and stuff. And I was like, what are you giving him a massage? What's going on here? And he's like, actually, I'm checking you for blah, 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 because it can kill you like that. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll shut up. Do I have that? Do I have that? No. Probably (laughs) shut the fuck up now. Yeah. So uh, Canada's healthcare system is complete horseshit in my opinion, and I'm not a big fan of it. So I went there, and because the way it is, it is the way it is. But uh, they did, they took my blood, they knew I had a parasite, and they were like, hey, what your white blood cell count whenever you have a parasite, like a high number would be like 4,000. That's like a bad parasite. They're like, yours is 11,000. So you got a really bad parasite. I was like, all right, man, damn, that sucks. And they're like, yeah, so we're going to start treating you for talking to them a little bit, typhoid tularemia and trichinosis. Start treating it the next day. They never admitted me to the hospital, mind you. Yeah, good job, Canada. So I'm in there and uh, I'm in the... Um, uh, well, I went back to the hospital the next day and they checked my my organs. They're like, oh, okay, your liver and your spleen are infected and enlarged and that pain that you felt on your right shoulder is a fluid behind your right lung. What? And I was like, oh, fuck. All right. And th- this new doctor said, he's like, hey, man, I don't know why we have you on this other antibiotic. It's not going to do shit for you. And at that moment, I was like, get me the fuck out of here right now because the main doctor wasn't letting me go. So it's in my head now that I've got this parasite and it's bad. So that night, I'm in the hotel, still in the hotel, and uh, there, my nose started bleeding, and I'm like, "It's in my brain." <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, I, I called production. It's in my brain. You know, it's in there. <laughs> I called production. I was like, "Get me to the hospital." I said, uh, "Get me back to the states." They're like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "It's in my brain." Get a bird spun up. What's the flight time to Edmonton? Blah blah blah. blah, blah. I get to the hospital, I freak out on them. They're like, calm down, sir. I'm like, and you're not allowed to tell them like what's really going on. And that right. pissed me off because now I feel like my life's at jeopardy, right? you're on an NDA with the show, right? Yep, yeah. you're on an NDA. And, uh, oh, shut up. You, you couldn't know, tell it them. It was fucking horseshit. Oh my God. It, only, it was only, <laughs> only horseshit because my main doctor was worthless and I hope she's watching this. Absolutely worthless. And so she it got to that, that night and she saw me for the first time. She was, and I, I go, you're supposed to be our doctor. She's like, I have other clients. I go, you're the only one I can talk to. <laughs> so right. I was like, she's like, do you not think we can do our jobs? I go, fuck no. I said, done. I was like, I'm done with this. And she's like, oh, I'll sign your papers. You can leave tomorrow. I'm like, please. So production's like, where do you want to go? I was like, send me to the VA in right. Portland, Oregon. So the VA is awesome. Portland sucks. We got it. So, <laughs> the is awesome. Portland sucks. <laughs> so, uh, the production was like, hey, I know life kind of sucks right now, but can you at least film the outro? I was like, yeah. Well, that night, my knees, had, my legs had swelled up from my knees down. And they told me, they're like, hey, it's probably from the doxycycline. And, uh, I was like, man, I've taken doxycycline a lot in the Marine Corps for malaria, for whenever you're traveling yeah. stuff. And I was like, never done that. Whatever. So the following day after that, I'm walking to the airport, the chubby ass little legs, barely get my boots on. And I'm like, <laughs> this is annoying. And I'm tired. And I get to the VA the following morning and uh, give them my paperwork. And they're like, ooh, come back here. So they took me back. And within 30 minutes, the difference between Canada, you had three days. The United States, within 30 minutes, they had a team of cardiologists and infectious disease on me. And they were like, ah, right now your heart is in the condition of an 87-year-old man just had a massive heart attack. They're like, you didn't have a heart attack, but your heart is, is not good? working. Yeah, is that good? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that good? 
<laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so I was like, oh, they're like, that's why your knees are swelled up. That's why it's hard to breathe, blah, blah. And I was like, how the fuck did Canada not catch that? Your part's kind of in there with your yeah, chest cavity, right? with your yeah, lungs. No how shit. the hell do you not catch that? And uh, your, your troponin levels are through the roof. We don't know if it's on the rise or the fall. So obviously admitted immediately. Um, and I didn't realize this. I still was like MRI, echocardiogram, ultrasounds in my heart and everything. Brain, I mean, they didn't, spared no expense, right? Right. And uh, day three, I remember trying to leave. Uh, I talked to my doctor. I was like, hey man, what do you think about, and I was standing up. Hey man, what do you think about me like going to the house and relaxing on the couch? Like Canada let me do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> We usually don't try to scare our patients, but maybe I should tell you and put it into reality for you. But like, it's like, if you would have stayed out there one to two more days longer, there's a very good chance your heart could have just completely stopped. If you didn't start getting the albendazole, the medication that killed that uh, parasite, when you got it, there's a very good chance you could have, could have died. And they did, we still didn't know I had trichinosis at this time, but we were treating myself for both right. things. So yeah, I mean, trichinosis, man, that's a gnarly- How did you, how did you get it? From the fish. Not even, fish? I didn't even think you could get it from fish. I didn't think you could get it so from fish So I'm sitting either. there and I'm, uh, I'm trying to, oh, trichinosis, what the hell did I get that from a damn mouse? Because I did eat a mouse. It has right. to be from meat-eating animal. Right. And uh, I knew that I had it on day 10. And I'm talking to um, this guy named Survival Doctors, his Instagram name, right? Awesome guy. And I don't know his first name. I think it's like Tan or something. He's Asian and he's super smart and he's a legit doctor. Right. I thought it was just an Instagram thing. And he's like, no, man. He's like, you, uh, you definitely got it from the fish. And he sends me all these articles. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. And that sucks because nobody cooks their fish 160 degrees. Nobody. When you're living life like a king, right? right. Not, well, we all know who the, the king is of that show. But when you're living like, a, like, like you're loving everything you're doing out there and you have enough food, I'm eating at 140, medium rare, medium yeah. salmon. It was sure. trout, but it, you know, salmon. And uh, so I wouldn't have done anything different, you know. Um, but I ended up catching it from the fish. That's fucking wild. I didn't know you could get it from fish. I mean, mm-hmm. like, how how do we get away with sushi? You have any idea? Like, well, I don't know. But what I'm, what I'm thinking is, it was a lake trout too, right? So uh, freshwater trout okay. versus something, and yeah. all oh, the yeah, yeah, okay. So maybe that's it. But like, and considering where it's at, there's not very many people going up there, but. Fish do carry a lot of parasites. I think there's like three main parasites that fish carry. I still wasn't cooking my fish any differently. That's why I don't typically take sushi out of vending machines because um, you should never eat sushi from a vending machine. Just uh, just so you guys know, (laughs) it's a little uh, life advice from Evan. You can take that, put it away, never eat sushi from a vending machine. You're welcome. So when was, so when did you, when, that was last year, right? Was that in 2020? uh, Yeah. I came out of the field on Halloween of 20, 2019. How long did it take you? Three months. Three months. Yeah. So my, my mom, I was a 33 year old man at that time. Alone and unafraid, and I couldn't even walk the damn grocery store. Like, and I hadn't seen my son in a long time. Yeah. And I had to tell his mom, like, hey, I, I can't do it right, right now. I can't even see him. She's like, what? And I was like, I'm was like, you don't love your son? I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, I'm in a bad spot right now. You know, I didn't really tell her exactly what was going on, except I was in the hospital. So, but I remember trying to walk to the grocery store with my mom. She came, flew out to take care of me. And uh, she's like, you know, I, I made it like in the door, I had to sit down. And I was like, Fuck. 
this this whole heart thing is a is a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's kind of important. Yeah. So you know, it took me about two months before I was like feeling good because right. once the heart was under control, my liver started going crazy because all the medication they were giving me. Right. Yep. So it's just this constant battle of going back and forth, and it was a pain in the ass. But um, you know, talk about a learning curve. Talk about going through an experience and living from it and being a hundred percent now. Like I have par- I have technically worms in my body. Any motherfuckers try and eat me and during the apocalypse, you're gonna get trichinosis. Cook me 160. Glass. Yeah, cook me 160 degrees. Yeah. But uh note to self. Yeah. yeah. Write that down, Jackie. <laughs> cook him at 160 and above. Take to get the parasites out of your how long is it gonna take? Uh, it's only like two week that? cycle of this medication, right? So and all it does is kills all the parasites in your stomach. Right. So and all the ones still that are, in your muscle. Yep. Everything that went into your bloodstream into your muscles, they're gonna they're staying there. Right. There's no way of getting rid of that for like almost up to 10 years. Uh, I mean, I don't know how true that is, but you know, I was watching um Stephen Ranella yeah. talk about his experience with trichinosis and um some other people. And it goes from not that bad, it'll pass through some people's bodies to it'll kill you in four to six weeks from either heart failure or pneumonia. And I ended up having started pneumonia on my right. with my lungs, the fluid, and uh put me into heart failure. So which is weird because you didn't get any of that from the show. Like you was just like, oh man, I was. And the in the end, you I was able to kind of talk about it. Yeah, but during the actual show itself, right? I wasn't. No, I wasn't complaining about being tired. I would say like, um, we're tired right now. Yeah, but that's all. Yeah, you know, that's all I knew. Well, it Vision was weird was because I remember thinking it was strange because I remember watching and then you know I mean we're talking to you about it right now, but I was like I was watching. It, I was like. Yeah, and so something something happened. Like it's just like because one day it seemed like you were fucking kicking ass, and then obviously the show is like, and then the next time you're like pressing the button. And I was thinking, it's like there's a lot of dudes we know that it'd be really hard to press that button psychologically. Like, like you'd have to be in a fucking rough spot, like physically and mentally, you'd have to be in a rough spot to be like. When there's some guys we know, and be like, fuck this, I'm hungry. You know, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> the cheeseburger button. You know? Yeah, it's like I want a pizza. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, I've, I've been. I've, I went through a Mati. Fuck this. I'm done. You know, like that was the biggest reason for doing this show was for the military guys out yeah, there to give them to justify, like you know, make it well, show you know, what show what guys with our attitudes can do. And so my whole thing was, I don't give a fuck if I win. Don't sure. quit. Yeah. Do not quit. That's right. it. It's all it's the name of the game. And so I'm out there. And I'm doing it for the recon and the sniper community, specifically the recon and sniper community, because fucking that's my community, right? Mm -hmm. And, but for all military people out there, because some guys in the military in the past have made an ass out of themselves. Not everybody. Like some guys quit and they do a great job still. But some guys have made an ass. And when it comes to survival shows, it's been the thing. We haven't looked great. No, we haven't looked that great, man. But there's a lot of good people out there just haven't been given the opportunity, afforded the opportunity to do it just because production is looking for certain things, right? Well, I think a lot of them are just, they're looking for a certain personality type too because it plays plays better for drama. Like how many silent, you know, quiet professionals do we know? It's like- Not going to be, not going to be entertaining to watch. They're not going to be entertaining. No. Like they're not going to be entertaining. They're not going to cause any drama. They're just going to be like, yeah, this is what I got to do every day. It's and cool. Whatever. Those humble ones are usually ones that would last a lot longer, right? Yeah. And uh, so I was doing it to not quit. And when I got to that point where I knew that I'd done some hard shit in my life and my career, and I was like, no, I'm done. And the craziest thing about it is I just kind of like knew it and I called it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm tired. I'm done. 
I can't keep going to this rate. You have that perspective. But when you when you realize like, oh, one to two more days longer being a stubborn asshole mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be seeing your son anymore. Like, I'm, I'm just going to be the dumbass that died of trichinosis. And they still probably give me shit for dying on the show, right? Like, there's yeah, all your people. buddies would be like, you remember that dumb motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. He died of trichinosis. He died of heart failure. <laughs> <laughs> Too stupid to quit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. There's a hard line between hard and retard, and sometimes we cross it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a no. It's, it's interesting because like that, the 45, 44 days, right? Yep. Like even forty four days for most guys, that'd be brutal. Like it, it, I mean, for for a ton of the people that I know, forty four days, like throw down that survival challenge and most guys would be like, I know a ton of guys, obviously, you know, there'd be a huge percentage. I think it would be like five, five to 10. They'd be in that five to 10. And then after 10, I think psychologically, like, yeah, I got to check the fuck out. Like, seriously, I, I mean, and that's just based on my experience of dealing with guys and being an instructor for, you know, X amount of time. One, not very many people would even want to do it. They'd no. be like, fuck this. I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? Like, I'm not, that's hard. As, that's, that's like beyond hard. There's no way. And, and that's the thing, man. Like, our military backgrounds, I'm, I'm always saying, like, I don't give a shit about what I used to do in the past. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm living in the moment. What am I doing yeah. now? Yeah. And so I saw that as an opportunity to, like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Go and test yourself, push yourself. Um, and now that I, you know, I know that I'm doing a podcast right now on that and we're talking about it, but like, shit, that was me in the past. Now it's like, what am I doing now? And I'm always looking for the next thing. I will never live life in the past. I'm talking about it. I don't ever want to be that guy. So even having that experience to, to look back and know you can drop yourself into a scenario and be great. Week, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Like, fuck man, I can do that standing on my head in a bucket of shit. Like you have that psychological experience or the physical and psychological experience now to be like, this should be, pretty easy given the circumstances you were in. Well, I guess I know that in that area, I feel confident I can make it 44 days. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I'll say. I'm feel confident I can make it 44 days and be happy. Right. Cause I was pretty damn, I mean, I was living life like, and I was happy and I was doing good and by yourself, but I can't speak for any, any, not a day longer than that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think about it. I'm like, man, if I didn't have heart failure, like, how long would I have kept going? I knew I had enough food for mm-hmm. 60 days. I'm talking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I was being a fat ass. I mean, I was eating ever. There was no like the whole <laughs> save your food, fresh <laughs> it out. Fuck that. I was like, eat, 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 eat. And I was literally, I gained weight. You know, they, I, I was cool. looking at the scale. They did like three, three, three checks for body weight. And I remember going from initially when I started at 205 down to 178. And I was like, oh shit. First five days of water weight, blah, blah. And then they came and checked me. I was like 187. I was like, fuck yeah, getting it back. Oh, yeah. And uh, then they checked me the, the last time. And I remember it, was, it said back down to 178. And I was like, okay. But I mean, I was shitting my brains out twice right. a day, you know? And so sure there's no way back. to keep them, keep them weight when you're doing that. So now come back and with your business, uh, did you transition and make, are you making different business decisions because of, your show experience? I am, man. Are you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one, I do love instructing. I do love teaching. Still do it. Uh, me and Keith do that together. We go and teach. We literally just got done teaching a precision hunting course at Branded Rock Canyon. What's the name of the uh, company? International Mountain Survival. Okay. Yeah. Um, so teaching 
mostly, we call it like the woodsman high angle course. So we're, we're mixing long range shooting in with the, the woodsman mentality. Because that's where my passion was. What the does whole, that mean? Like the whole sniper thing, right? Okay. And we're not teaching people to be snipers at all, but to be comfortable out in the wilderness. Yeah. I got, a, I got a client, his name's Brian. And that dude, he's a surfboard maker from Southern California. Doesn't know shit. Didn't even know how to change a fucking tire, right? Right. And he's like, Mark, I want to learn from you. I want to learn everything. And that dude has put in the time and effort to go through course after course after course. And his next course coming up, we're going in the Sierra Nevadas. We're getting dropped and we're moving from location to location, location for five days. And we engage one target every day and the rest is moving and surviving, right? And so I'm just, that's what I love to do. Be in the mountains and push yourself in that direction, but with a rifle, not with a traditional bow. So, yeah. A trad bow would be pretty rough. What do you, so when you guys are out there with your courses and you're talking about like long range shooting, what kind of, uh, one, what type of calibers are you guys suggesting guys use? Optics, rifles, and things like that. Walk me through kind of your, your packing list of your ideal setup. Yeah, like, so the long-range shooting community is kind of interesting, right? They spend a lot it, of damn... It's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, they, they talk, about, talk about snipers. They, yeah. They're online snipers. Jesus <laughs> they're Christ. Online and snipers they, they, are pretty good, too. People, yeah. get, people get into the weeds. Now the competition, long-range competitions have come along. People really get into the weeds about what they're doing. And it, honestly, That's like... Long range shooting is not that fucking complicated. And people go, oh, I need this caliber and that caliber and that caliber. And, caliber. and I tell people, pick a fucking caliber and just shoot it and learn it. Just yeah. know, know your gun. Know right? your damn right. gun. And uh, why don't you learn how to hunt? Because, you know, I teach shooting and me and Keith teach shooting for military applications, law enforcement applications, or hunting. Other than that, I don't see the purpose of having a rifle or a mm-hmm. pistol. I'm like, it's got its application and its use. And it is fun, but don't create training scars, right? Right. So when it comes to gear, um, shoot. We're using Mesa Precision Rifles now. Uh, We've used other rifles in the past. Optics, Leopold Optics. um, They make damn good optics. They've been around for a long damn time. They're made in the United States. Yeah, made in the United States, America. So And they got a great team up there, right? They've been really good to us. Friptek, I mean, you know, clothing, all that gear. Um, But... There's a lot of good gear out there. There is. And so, you know, I'm not sitting there saying this, it fits every job, but... I love I love those guys. Like, the Butch and the crew that they have up at Cryptek, those guys are fucking awesome. Oh, they sent great. us a bunch of shit before our bear hunt, before we went out there. And honestly, their gear is awesome. Like, I, the only reason I didn't wear it is because I've sent them probably the wrong sizes. So, yeah. I was either swimming <laughs> in it or... Like, I was swimming in it. So, I was like... 32, 34s. They sent me 32, 34s. I'm like, bro, there's not been a day in my life when I've ever been a 34 at length. So it looked like I had to roll the bottoms of them or they would you, you just made me feel better about myself, but I, I can't wear your pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I gave those to Matt. Like Matt Best, like, wow, those are my favorite pants. It just turns out that they sent my size to you. So it was perfect. Well, it's a good segue gear. to plug those guys one more time, right? You wore all the Cryptek stuff because you knew it, you had it, it worked, right? But, but also Butch, is just a great guy, right? He's also he's a great guy. Butch and Josh right? with their yeah. backgrounds. Yeah. Show me another camouflage company, clothing company that supports the military like they do. Oh, there's there's not one. There's not one. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. good damn people. And when it comes to, I have to choose between this line of clothing or that line of clothing. Mm-hmm. So pretty fucking somewhere I'm going to go with the people that support this fucking country and oh, yeah. what I believe in the same beliefs. So, 
Yeah, the the only reason that we, I mean, not the only reason, I mean, Sitka is obviously owned by Gore and then their lead product designer is John Barklow. He's been on the show a ton of times. He's a former Navy guy, Navy guy who's a survival instructor out of Kodiak. So like, I know who designs the product over there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm like, and so some of their shit, I'm just like, God damn, this is good. Like their fucking pants, like their lightweight it's pants good, are like- It's good stuff. Like, dude, it's good. Like I can't, like, and it's come so far. You remember those like, well, you were in 08, but you were earlier. Were you still using the green camis when you were in? Oh, you're talking about like the old tricolors? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, for the longest time, I was like, man, all I need is like BDU top, BDU bottoms and Actually, fucking man. jungle boots. And I can, you know, have, have uniform will travel. I didn't realize- that there was like really good fucking gear out there from companies that would be yeah. like shit that actually like would dry out really easily and Dude. like shed a little bit of water and like all these things. I'm like, no man, this is cotton. This is great. Cotton's good yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's so a, good. Well, that's a good segue. I mean, to loop back around some military stuff, right? I, I don't, I can't add much to the survival stuff, right? Sit next to this guy. I'll just kind of shut up. But um, you talk about the uniform gear, clothing and equipment. In the military, right? It's it's crazy. I mean, unless you're with a soft unit and you can kind of purchase some, you know, cry yeah. or whatever, it's it's out of control. We've got a combat utility unit. I'm talking about the Marine Corps, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the only branch I can really speak to yeah. with any authority. Yeah. But um, we've got a combat utility uniform that hasn't had utility in combat in like 16 years, right? right. Because we're still running around in cotton, you know, it's yeah, crazy. Exactly. And they've, they've got all this stuff out there. We've made a lot of advanced... There's a lot of reasons for that, right? Any mm -hmm. anybody listening, you know, it's you know budget stuff, but yeah, you know, it's well, yeah, it's, it's like when Congress is approving budget for hundreds of thousands of people, right? Mm -hmm. Their considerations are much different from an individual selecting. <laughs> for me, down there on the gear. ground, like, God damn, I'm sweaty. <laughs> I'm so you know? sweaty. This thing will not dry. It's like, and in some circumstances, it works great. And, you know, maybe there are some circumstances where cotton actually works better, right? Like, I can't necessarily name them um, off the top <laughs> of my head. In any environment. In any, envir <laughs> any environment. But I can say, maybe I'm, I'm at least open to say, yeah, sure, you can like. You can take your knife and I can make a little. Hey, I'll tell you what, for making a, a flint and steel fire, yeah, you got to make some char cloth. Fuck, yeah. you got cotton, use it for that. Burn yeah. it. Sure. Burn, burn that cotton and use it for that at well, least. When we also had like the digital camouflage wars of the 2000s, oh, yeah. right? Between all the branches and. Yeah. And, but there is something about there's a company overseas and somewhere in Europe that takes cotton and they say that they can make it happen, make it work some way to where keeps you extremely warm. It's really great. I don't know. Just saying, throwing it out there. Maybe they figured it out. Maybe they didn't, but. I don't know either, man. Like, like I've kind of, I don't know. I haven't gone down the rabbit hole on, you know, I find gear and I'm like, great, I'll try it out. I'll see yeah. what it works. And if it works, if it, it works. Great. You know, like yeah. I, like I've been on these crispy boots now for probably a year and they don't pay any sponsorship to me or anybody. But dude, it's the only boot I've had in, like literally since, and you guys, I don't know if you remember this, but you might, but we, we could do it in SF. We could like modify our jungle boots. Sure. So we could shave, we could take them to a boot shop, shave the bottoms off. Resole them Yeah, resole yep. them. You know, they rip all the guts out of them. So they'd basically be like running shoes, basically like jungle boots that were running shoes. I'm like, that was the last boot that like when you put it on your foot, you're like, this is a fucking, this is great. I can, I can do shit in this thing, yep. right? Like an old beat up jungle boot is like 
there, there's something nostalgic about it and it feels so good on your foot. I hadn't had a boot fit like that. Actually, no. the last boot that I had fit like that was a, was a Vasque Sundowner first gen from like the nineties that I bought my first real pair of boots. I bought at army Navy store that I've had resold three fucking times. Well, you say that, right? It's like every, cause intermittently, well, actually I just went into a surplus store a couple months ago. Cause I was missing some gear to turn in. So I was in there like a Lance Corporal, like you got any poly You got a compass? You got an angle lens flashlight. Yeah. Cause there's no way the gunner is going to be like, can I get a missing gear statement? You know? So, um, but I saw some old jungle boots on the wall and like, I wanted to buy them, right? Yeah. I have no use for them, no practical use for them, but it was a nostalgia. I'm like, oh man, those yeah. are cool boots. I actually, that's like like the institutionalized part of my brain as I'm sitting here like bitching about the uniforms we have. I do kind of miss the old tricolor sometimes oh, yeah. because dude, I mean, especially in the Marine Corps, right? We were super ridiculous about, you know, like pressing those things out and spit polishing the boots, but it was nice. You know, you roll in on a Monday morning, everybody looks sharp. You got to like separate. Everybody the- looks sharp. You got to yeah. separate the camis with, you know, yeah. so much starch, right? It, you look good. You're breaking, you're breaking starch. Yeah. Like, you had that fucking tight seam down the front. Yeah. Like, yeah, it looked, it looked yeah. good. You'd There's ro- something nostalgic. Yeah. Like you'd roll out on a Monday morning and be like, God damn, I look good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now, well, it's kind of like a rucksack too, right. right? It's like you see a rucksack and you're something like pulls back in your brain. You're like, oh man, that thing's so comfy or whatever. And then you're like what the fuck? Like I threw one on. It was like, man, these straps fucking so, suck. Like this kidney pad is like <laughs> grinding into my back. Like there's, so no, we just, there's we just, no kidney pad. We just went and did a hunt last year, uh, archery hunt, me and him and another guy. And I brought out the new pack I have and everybody brings out their new packs and he brings out a pack that he's had for how long? I've been riding it like 20 years in the Marine Corps. 20 years. It's, it's and the, the, thing that, the thing that pissed yeah. me off the most is this motherfucker made me carry so much of his gear because he couldn't carry because it wasn't big enough. It wasn't big this enough. not big enough to this carry. This is not true. So Mark, <laughs> it's not true. Mark goes up like a week ahead of time and caches an entire rucksack. Oh, yeah. Full. Right, I think he actually cashed a rifle, rifle up yep. there and like buried it in oh, yeah. cellophane or whatever. Yeah. Right, and so we get up there and we're packing up to leave, and I have a full ruck. You know, I hiked up with a full ruck because I, you know, I needed shit. And Dude. so we get up there and then we're packing up to leave, and he's like, "Hey, uh, who can carry all this stuff?" And I'm like, "You." No, you no, know? no. He says <laughs> a full carry. ruck. This dude didn't have a tent to sleep in. He's sleeping out there under a tarp like a miserable son of a bitch. And all of us were all comfortable yeah. and everything with our big sleeping bags, you know. We're like, we suffered enough. That, right? So they come out of there and it was so cold, right? I've got like uh, like a three-season bag and like a, you know, poncho <laughs> liner in there. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm just shivering. I, I get like three or four hours of sleep and then I just lay there and like I'm running in place in my bag trying to warm up. And then these guys would come out in the morning you know, and it'd be like steam escaping from the door <laughs> when they open it. And they're like, oh, how'd you sleep? And I'm like, great. Yeah, like, great. Fucking fine. I carry that weight, right? But internally, I'm like, damn it. You know? I've been I've been rolling like the same like sleep system for I don't know how long. Once you find it, you're just like, yeah, okay. You know, and I was like taking my wife, which is a horrible experience, by the way. So I haven't been in an REI for years. So I haven't been in an REI for years. Like I'll go to Cabela's, Bass Pro, like, you know, one, they're Black Rifle Coffee dealers. So, and I love those guys. Two, I, I didn't realize that even a lot of the people in REI just make me angry. They, sure. they look like they just walked out of like a tofu factory they're or like something. They're like the anti-you. Yeah, right? yeah. And 
Like I was there and and it's like there it's not even a beta male. It's like a delta male. It's a different version. <laughs> it's a straight Zulu. They're, Zulu male. Yeah. yeah, it's like Zulu. Just take the last alphabet. I mean, they're they're like there's no mask mandate in Salt Lake. And all these dudes are cruising around and like, you know, Birkenstocks wearing their fucking tie-dyed masks or whatever. And you're like, I need to get the fuck out of here yeah. as soon as I can get the fuck out of here. I might catch whatever parasite these motherfuckers <laughs> have that's eating their brain and making them like dumb as fuck. In so we're there, you know, we're at REI because I she's like, ah, oh, we need a new sleeping bag. And I'm like going through like the pros and cons of, you know, okay, well, this is, you know, down and this is synthetic and this is the pro and con of this. And here's your sleeping pad. And which it's not a miserable experience choosing stuff like that for my, with my wife. The experience was REI just in general of the climate, we'll call it the social climate of the environment is too, it's so contradictory now because I've been in, hunting and the outdoor space for hunting for so long. I remember like when I was more into like the mountaineering side and going into REI in Seattle, their big flagship store, it never bothered me. Like it, no. it actually never bothered me this time. It fucking bothered me. Like I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I don't want to catch what you guys have. Yeah. They, they belong in Portland and yeah. in Seattle and California. They can have all that. But there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on, right? I mean, I think you see, and I think maybe that's one of the, I don't know. I'm talking about stuff I don't know about, but I think that's, <laughs> that's all we do on the show. <laughs> talk about shit we don't know about. You know, but I think that's, you're seeing this because we've almost become like the counterculture, right? Yeah. You know, guys that kind of think like we do. And so I think we'll see the pendulum start to swing the other way as a result. And and I think we are seeing it, right? I think that's why companies like Black Rifle Coffee Company are, are doing so well. And, you know. Uh, and, we've been and, silent well, for a long to, time, so. When, we have, right? We've just been biting our tongue on a lot of shit. And I think people are just kind of fed up with it. And um, we don't get paid by Cryptech either, right? But yeah. um well, if you want to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, sponsorship <laughs> deals are open. This is the third time we've mentioned yeah. you guys. <laughs> um, you know, that's why they started kind of making this whole line of like just clothing yeah. and stuff, right? Not just camouflage because so many of these outdoor companies, they don't get down with the hunting and, you know, some of our they're, views. They're anti-hunting. They're anti-pretty yeah. much you know, Everything. most of the thing that, things that we stand like for. Anti-gun, yeah. anti-hunting, you know. It's so funny. I was I was up in northern Idaho uh, fishing. I, I I love to fly fish, right? Like I, I I'll, I'll do any type of fishing. It doesn't fucking matter. Some any, of the best fly fishing in the lower forty eight, right? Right there in Bridgeport. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but the fly fishing community at times, like, and it's funny because where where I'm at is like it's all loggers, right? So I'm out there fly fishing, and I like pack up my rod. I'm getting ready to to head out. And guy comes up to the truck. He's like. Fly fishing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. And he looked at me like, I never thought, I never in a million years have felt more like a dirty hippie than like, like he's like, fly fishing, huh? Okay. I got you now. You know, like, and I'm like, yeah, I know what you're about. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm getting an F-350, man. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your enemy. I'm not here. I just like to fly fish. It's fucking fun, you know? But it's so fucking weird to me that there's like different sections of like outdoor recreation to stick to different things. And then, you know, sometimes it earmarks you as conservative or liberal or whatever it might be. I'm like, I'm just pro-freedom, right? I'm like, yep. you do you, pro-freedom, man. Like you want to, you know, cruise down the hill with your skis or go fly fishing. Like, rad, that doesn't exclude you from like 
killing an elk. And I know a ton of guys that are like pseudo hippie-ish that are like way into fucking guns, that yep. are way into their trad bows. And I mean, you know, you've seen them, those outdoor, the hardcore outdoor traditional dudes that are still wearing like buckskins. Yep. I, I just came across two people out in the middle of uh, Clearwater National Forest. It's two old dudes, like easily in their 60s running Appaloosas and mules in full buckskin regalia. And they looked like they'd been out there for fucking weeks. They were dirty. They they had been out there for a while. Living the dream. Living the dream. And my wife, we're, we're both looking at them. We're like, man, they're living the dream out here. Just fucking running Appaloosas out the middle of nowhere. But there's no way that you're going to get me to do that in buckskins. No. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like leather, like... Uh, Man, I'll tell you, like leather. leather. Like, can you imagine like humping your ass off with a trad bow in the middle of fucking nowhere with leather? Just no breathing. I might do a loincloth. Yeah, or like like the the chaps, didn't they used to always just wear the chaps, right? And they're like open butts riding their fucking riding horses. And I'm thinking about that too, going, dude, those were hard people. Because no saddle, riding a horse, basically naked. Is that real? I think that's, that's real, I think that's man. young guns that you're thinking that, oh, of, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe, just some other, maybe that's some other shit that I've been watching that I should have. I, I don't know if I should be disclosing. Yeah. Right? So I, how many courses are you guys teaching every, every year? How many are you guys running? Well, it, it depends, right? So we do several out at the, this ranch we're, we're working at. And then we do separate things that we kind of schedule, you know, ad hoc, right? right. As people reach out. But I, we're probably instructing what? Yeah, so... It's 15. a couple different things. For the people like me and Keith, don't have a, the biggest wallets in the world. Like, we do courses for people like that. And then for people that want to go for an experience, we got a place called Branded Rock Canyon where we teach courses at, like five-star lodging and, and meals and really preparing those guys for those $80,000 sheep hunts. Right. Um, and that's an impressive facility. Oh, man, it's a, it's a great place. So teaching courses out there, we'll do about six of those a year. Um, we'll do some cow elk hunt courses, you know, do two days of shooting, two days of cow elk. And then we do courses with, uh, international mountain survival and we'll do woodsman high angle course. And those are pretty much like two in the winter time and then four in the summertime. Gotcha. Um, cause it just stays busy because outside of that, that's freaking, you know, we got my Instagram and Instagram shoot, hunt, survive. And that's exactly what we do. We shoot, we hunt when we survive and we teach all those things. And, we got into recently, it was started a wine brand, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're like, I don't know shit about wine, but it's called the Woodsman Selection. So everything that we're doing, is because it a Washington wine? It is. Yeah. Yeah, man. And actually, oh, sweet. Yeah. So you're going to be a little disappointed. I yeah, think, you might be you a little disappointed. It's, it's a Leopold box, yeah. but it's, yeah. oh, nice. A little bit of a pump this face. Cool. So we started, let's call it the Woodsman Selection, right? And it's all about the outdoors and it's all about getting people outdoors and that's send you up top arrowhead on the, on the bottle and teaches people that QR code teaches people everything about archery hunting. So Seriously? you go, Oh yeah. You scan, it go? You, it's a website and then uh, you scan that QR code and it tells you everything about archery hunting. We've got one called the angler. We've got one called the hunter. We've got one called um, the bushcrafter and the woodsman. So there's different variants of this, right? But we brought you this, uh, a buddy Evan of mine, actually, we started this and we brought you this because this is a cab and we don't make the wine because right. I'm fucking not smart enough to make the wine first off and I don't want to do that. 
But this comes, uh, this pair is really good with wild game. And the bears you were sending me those pictures of, man, this pair is really great with that. Does it really? Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of our thing is pairing this with the wild game. Yeah, this is cool. This is a great gift. Like the good thing is I like to drink wine. So oh, that's there you go, better. man. Thanks for having us on the show, Dude, man. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Where can everybody find you guys? Like, where can they sign up for a course where they can follow you on Instagram? They can just DM you, I'm sure, right? Yeah, Instagram's honestly the yeah. easiest way. So, uh, shoot, hunt, survive. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to kind of remember that or okay. intsurvival.com and contact the website through there. Cool. Yeah. Well, we look forward to having you guys back. Like, I'd love to have you guys back and check in. And we got to go hunting sometime. Cool. Yeah. And, and a loincloth and leather. Yeah. <laughs> and Appaloosas. Yeah. We, were, well, we were talking about going down and doing some uh, deer hunting in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty soon. So we'll uh, yeah, drag you down there with yeah. us. I'd love to go down there. Well, cool. Thanks, guys. Deer Appreciate hunting. it. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Jump titties, boy!